Welcome to New Life Church teaching titled, Focus on Jesus, Not the Storm. Our teacher today is Alan Smith. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, it, I'd be lying if I didn't say he wasn't eating me up some in that worship there. He really was. I wasn't the only one. For those of you who do not know, Ron Rawls passed away a few days ago. Ron Rawls, he's uh, with the Lord today, and uh, I'm sure he would not return for us. That I know. He passed a few days ago. There'll be a memorial service for him as of right now. I think Pastor said next Saturday at 2 o'clock. That's next Saturday at 2. I'm sure it'll be posted perhaps on Facebook. That seems to be one of our communicators these days. So it will be also live streamed. Ron has friends all over the world, all over the globe, and uh, we want to be sure that they can partake in that celebration of Ron's life. I've said this before, and I should be ashamed, but I'm trying to make a point. Ron's the only person I've ever encountered that aggravated me with the love of God. Any of you that know Ron knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, all the articles he ever has written, he's written many. His conversation was always about the love of God, and I would have thought you could exhausted that topic sooner or later. Not that you could exhaust the love of God, but the human brain would run out of something to say after a while. But Ron was always about the love of God. That's how I'll always remember him. I've been in a lot of situations with Ron, and it can be in situations that would, I knew him when he was in Florida. We were in a lot of different situations together in leadership, and some of them could be pretty aggravating, and I personally would want to choke somebody, and Ron would remind me of the love of God. Then I wanted to choke Ron. And, but he was always there, just a broken record. And, but he knew it well. He experienced it well. He had a baptism, if you will, of the love of God. He has written a lot of articles and a lot of things, and you'll be able to see him and read them. I'd encourage you to, and you can know his heart. Incredible man of God. He'll be missed here, and the only thing I can say is heaven will never be the same, but we will miss him here. As I began the teaching this morning, Pastor has in the last quite a few years asked me to bring the message of the new year. Uh, it's either this time, it's the day before the new year or right after. To see if the Lord will give me, give me some type of impression for this next year. I have, I always feel very, very inadequate and that's not false humility, it's truth. And as I have said before, there's many in this room that could do a much better job at it than I, than speaking here this morning, but I promise you that nobody enjoys it any more than I than to stand here and be able to talk about God in freedom of knowing that the Holy Spirit will give you grace if I mess up and he'll give you conviction if I mess right. So it's with great joy that I get to bring the word this morning. There's no place I'd rather be than attempting to give the word of the Lord. And when I say that, I am attempting. If you would pray for me and for the word, perhaps I can do better than just in the flesh. Perhaps the Spirit of the Lord could speak to us something this morning as I proceed. The word that I felt like for this coming year, and will work about any time, but what I was seeing was definitely storms in front of us. There's been storms behind us. A lot of people have been in crisis and storm. Personally and nationally and internationally, we've seen a lot go on in our globe and around us, and I would love to give you a, a message that can convey the message properly. It should do something for you. 
But Brian, when he came in this morning, Brian, would you come get this microphone here, please? Brian had a dream. He didn't know I was going to ask him to share it, but he had a dream. It goes along, I don't know why I was, I feel like the message today doesn't have any apologies, but at the same time, Brian's told me the dream, and I, I knew that was my go word. So, Brian, if you would share with us your dream. I um, dream, have dreams of funny things. But anyway, the, I uh, was in the back of the sanctuary, but it wasn't this sanctuary, but I recognized a lot of people from here in the sanctuary. And it was my time to come up and do like I do on a given morning or whatever. And as I was turning the corner to get in the sanctuary, the whole place was full of, all I can describe it as like wild E. Coyote kind of bandaged up people. I mean, like full body cast and braces and neck braces and heads bandaged and just a lot of injury looking people. And they were trying to encourage me, whoever they were, to come and almost do like a pep rally kind of thing for breakthrough. And the Lord just checked me so hard right that moment and said, breakthrough does not come out of a pep rally. And I refused. I, whoever was trying to encourage me, I said to them, I don't do pep rally. I don't, it's not going to work like that. And I just knew in my heart of hearts, as much as I want breakthrough, for especially some of you that I've known for a long time are hurting, I'm just more convinced than ever that the treasure is in the process. And as much as I want the microwave fix for everything, the Lord just, he checked me hard. I can't tell you how hard it was in that dream that he will not pull his grace, will not pull his wisdom down to my level that the breakthrough comes on his methodology, his timetable, and I can't hype it up or overpromise or, or whatever. Amen. And that was the dream. So I'm not sure what this message is. I do know it's not a pep rally. That's what I know. <laughs> when Brian told me that dream this morning, he didn't really know what he saith. But I feel, feel like the impression of the Lord to me to share with you this morning is it's about focus this next year, if you will, and it would be from here, here on. But our focus is to be on Jesus and, and not on the storm. Now, there's going to be a lot of storms of life. We all personally have them. And as I said, there's a lot even going on in our country and in the world. But nonetheless, as a Christian, what do I do? I mean, you watch the news just like I do, and we hear a lot of different forecasts spiritually as well as politically. I don't know if you've heard any political forecasts lately. But it all can appear to shed light on a coming storm of one type or another. I feel like this year, of course, we're going to have a lot of political storms going into an election year. So what would be... And you test what I'm saying, but what, what would it look like? What would the Lord want me to do? And as I was seeking the Lord about this, he kept coming back to this one thing, focus on Jesus and not the storm. Doesn't mean you ignore the storm, but that we focus on Jesus. And what I know about Jesus standing before you has a limit. It's a list, but it has, it's limited. I don't know all of who Jesus is, and, and I doubt that you do either. So one of the things for me this year is to discover, is to add to this list and to discover more about, all right, I got a feeling Jesus is a whole lot more than I know of who he is even now. I've got this feeling that he's a whole lot more. I know him as Savior. I know him as healer. I got healed years ago. 
but it's almost like since it was years ago, I had, did have a pretty good healing. And, but even though it's been 25, 30 years ago, I can tell you about that experience. And, and it's almost like I'm talking about someone else. It's not even hardly, sometimes I wonder, am I telling the truth? Because I'm, I'm so distant from it. So I know that the miracle in itself is not what causes me to cling to the closeness of who Jesus is. So it's about more than seeing a miracle. As I started getting into this and he said, focus on Jesus, then the storm started to not be the main topic. The focusing on Jesus in this teaching started to be the main topic. And the more I focused on him, the more I was in touch of his presence in the room. I know he's in my heart. It's like we did this worship song. Karen did that, that last one. All the worship was good, and it kind of came to a crescendo there towards the end. And it just touched my heart. It just made my eyes leak a little bit. And there wasn't anything sad about it. It's just that I was, Jesus wasn't something of my mind. It's something that I could feel in my heart. Do you know what I'm trying to say? And that's knowing who Jesus is and to be able to feel Jesus in the moment is for me to know more of who he really is. I've got a little story I'd like to tell you here. I put it on the slides and I'm going to read the story and my hope is that you can capture what I'm trying to do and to say with the point of this story. And it's called the Lucian Island Storm. It's a little story that I've, some of you perhaps has maybe even heard it before. But nonetheless, let's do it again. I was in Alaska handling a lawsuit. I was way out in the Aleutian Islands getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. A pastor came up and said, hey, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. This just did not sound like something I should do. I told him that I have this ticket and we will just make our way on home and me and this other lawyer friend of mine. He said, no, 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 you've got to do it and save your money. Against all my better judgment, I said, okay, very well. So we went out to the airport and looked at the little plane and I thought, well, at least it's shiny. We got in, he was in the left front and I was in the right front and the other lawyer was sitting right behind me. He started it up just fine. We taxied out and I said, we should pray. The pilot said, well, we normally don't. But I said, well, this time we're going to. I prayed a long time. He then got on the runway. He started down the runway and the plane flew off ever so gently. We started climbing and it was just wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We kept climbing and flew probably three to four minutes and then something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and said, we're going into the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? Now it's been cloudy all day and we're going right up into the clouds where you can't see anything. Then... He looks at me, his eyes roll back in his head. He starts mumbling and he passes out, passed out cold. I grabbed him and shook him and I said, come on, you gotta wake up. We are now in the clouds, flying along with no pilot. A friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I then commented that there was a very good chance of that. 
There was a radio, and I handed him the microphone and told him to start asking for help. He started saying, hello, hello, and somebody answered back, hello. He then said, we are in an airplane with a passed-out pilot. The pilot in the other plane said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. They will help you and try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage Emergency came on and started telling me what to do to fly the plane. He said, the first thing we have to do is find you. I will never forget what this man then said to me. He said, it is my job to get you home safe. Here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you have to promise me you will obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disoriented you become. Finally, he said, okay, I have found you. Now hear me clear. You are four minutes from a mountain. You are going to crash into the mountain and die, so follow my voice. I never said, do I have to follow your voice, you see. I understood that without his voice, I had nothing. Do you understand that without God's voice, you have nothing? Finally, he got us turned and said, I'm going to freeze all the traffic in the area, and it's going to take me an hour to get you to Anchorage. There's a lot of weather between you and there. You are in for a rough ride. I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm. Just pay attention to my voice. He said, trust my voice. If you start watching the storm, you'll die, but I will take you through it. Once the traffic was stopped, the people in the freighters began to talk to us and say, we are praying for you, man. You're going to make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. Trust the voice. Do you realize your head is full of voices? Everyone in this world wants to talk to you. Everyone wants to be the controlling voice. But God says, follow my voice and let my voice be your voice. We went through the worst of the weather, and the voice came back and said, Now I am going to line you up. I'm going to bring you in the right down the runway, and at the foot of the runway are some lights. They are in the form of a cross. He said, Don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he is bringing us down, and we still cannot see anything. And all he kept saying is, Stay with me. Just follow my voice. All I could think of was what the Bible says, My sheep follow my voice. Just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane, and it came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice then said, thanks for listening to my voice. I watch people crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand that I am the one who can see them even when they cannot see me. They get these voices in their heads, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Then he said, thanks for listening to the voice. Now, the truth is, that's the message for today. I could stop there, and I've got a few scripture I want to give you. But the word for us today and for this year is we got to follow his voice. If we don't, we're going to hit the mountain and die. We are living in a time that we cannot take a chance on not listening to the voice of God. Now, you might find yourself in here today and say, well, Alan, I don't know is this the voices in my head or is it God? Well, you have a task ahead of you this year. Can you imagine? We say and we're always worried that we can't see God. But have we ever thought He can see us? I would rather for Him to see me than me see Him. And He sees us. And He wants to speak to us and help us through this life. He gives us His Word. He gives us a church. He gives us friends. He he gives us what we need to hear His voice. 
Now I pray that today that with this simple message, that as I'm speaking it, I pray that you'll not apply it to someone else. It's my prayer, you apply it to yourself. This is a one voice message. I'm gonna use just a little scripture as we're learning to hear the voice of God. What does it sound like? And I want you to consider a few thoughts here. Will your life be free of storms? Well, when I was younger, I was, that was my goal. I didn't have many storms then, except the ones I created. As I got older, I started inheriting mine and others' storms. But the answer is probably not, probably not. But Jesus will be there with you all the way. Now, that's, that's easy to say. Some of you, uh, Pastor Steve uh, Starr, well, even others in the room have experienced losing uh, loved ones in this past year, and they're in a storm that none of us can enter in. You can pat Pastor Starr, use them as an example. You can pat them on the back and hug them, and it's good, but you're not in their storm. You just can't get in there, can they, Starr? You can't get in there where the storm is. The only one that can get in there is the one that sees them. God sees Star. God sees Pastor, others in the room. God's the only one that can get in the storm. We can love each other, but make no mistake, the voice is the only one that can lead you home. The voice is the only one that can keep you safe. It's not others. Other voices is sometimes just confusing. It's the voice of the one that can see us. It's the voice of the one that can get in there with us in the storm. It's the voice of the one that created us. It's the voice of the one that wants us to be successful within the storm. Now let's watch what Jesus did here. The storms of life are taking you somewhere. We are all dreading in life what we call the perfect storm. When in the midst of a storm, it is very hard not to feel the clutches of fear that accompany the storm. It is hard not to feel the clutches of fear that accompany the storm. I want you to consider there. There are basically two types of fear we experience in this perfect storm. In the Aleutian Islands, the perfect storm, there were two types of fear here. The first was what I call adrenaline-powered fear. That can be helpful in time of trouble. If a bear walks in those swinging doors there, and we all turn and see a bear coming with its fangs and teeth showing, adrenaline will hit us, and we'll show you how to get a couple hundred people out of that door in about 10 seconds. We'll have adrenaline, we'll have fear that'll rush us, and I call that as a kind of a good fear. It's an adrenaline fear. It causes us to perform at our best, if you will. It comes the shot of adrenaline. Now, the second was a fear that was there lost due to the storm. This fear is not helpful, nor from God. This is a fearing of fear. When this happens, it puts a strangling hold on us. This is a fear of fear. In other words, we can fear the fear now and the storm hasn't hit, right? We start creating and embracing a fear or dread of a storm, right? That's a type of fear. That type of fear is not helpful, nor is it from God. Now, I want us to look at something as I try to unravel a spiritual point is what I'm after. My prayer is that we can get it. And only, that can only be done by the Holy Spirit because I'm saying more than I'm saying here or trying to. Our thinking becomes confused and foggy, causing us to make bad decisions. When we operate in this type of fear, causes confusion, foggy thinking. This is not a helpful fear. We need to have faith in our lives that takes into account the storms, but also reassures us to know of a safe place to go. So it's not that we 
Let's say, for instance, I'll use pastor as an example. Through this crisis that he's been in the last two and a half years, there's a level of fear. You hate to see someone suffering, what's ahead of them. You hate to see their fear, your fear. But there's a safe place in there for everybody involved, and that is to stay focused on Jesus. Now, to stay focused on Jesus is more than in your head. It's a presence. There's one thing that we have as Christians that the world doesn't have, and that is the ability to acknowledge and sense the presence of God, the Creator. We have that ability. If you're sitting in the service and all of a sudden, it's just a common thing among believers, uh, when the presence of God's in the room, you, we tend to cry a little bit. Am I the only one or is that just something of old age? We feel a sense of awe, a sense of fathers in the room. You get a sense of Papa's here, everything's going to be all right. We have that safe place to go when we're thinking and focusing on Jesus. Now watch this. This is where Jesus comes in. As we follow Him and learn more of who He is, our troubles look different in the light of knowing Him. So as, we, as our troubles start looking different in light of knowing Him, could it be that the more I know Him, the more my troubles will look different? That's the question. And Christians can give testimony of that. There's a place of safety that can come into all of our lives as we can identify that the presence of God is with us. The term Emmanuel means what? God with us. That's a big issue. It's not just words. Jesus was born. God is with you. It's one thing for me to read it and hear it in my head. There's another one for me to feel it and know he's in the room. You know, as Christians, and when we do have those moments, I'm afraid we don't savor them perhaps enough to realize what a supernatural event is taking place. It's a supernatural event. Now let's watch it. The Bible teaches us about the character of Jesus and how he reacts in a storm. Let's look at it in Mark 4, 35 through 41, as we look at the character of Jesus and what happens in a literal storm. The setting is after a full day of ministry in Jesus and his disciples are exhausted. Jesus decided to cross from Capernaum to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. I know you know the story well. Jesus and disciples here are exhausted. They had been in ministry for a full day. To leave in the water as their only way was to escape from the crowds. There were so many people kept pushing in, it kept pushing them towards the water. The crowds were so large, they were pushing Jesus and the disciples into the sea. Jesus got into the boat and pushed out a little and then continued to teach. That's, if you can get the setting of what happened here before they went to Capernaum. They were teaching, he was preaching, healing the sick. The crowds got bigger and they started pushing on them. Finally got into the boat and he kept teaching, but they were really getting tired. Since Jesus and his disciples were so tired, they just remained in the boat and set sail for the eastern shore where Jesus was to minister. The next day, the successful ministry of Jesus and his disciples did not go unnoticed by the enemies of darkness. The elements of a perfect storm were gathering as soon as they departed. We would like to think that, you know, pastor, like on Wednesday nights, or I've noticed he, or perhaps y'all have noticed, he'll always pray for our safety and that the enemy cannot take anything that we've said or prayed and distort it or use it against us. 
he prays a protection a prayer. And I always love it because it reminds me of the story. They had ministry. They pushed off. Evidently, Jesus and the disciples really wrecked some havoc against the dark side because the dark side showed itself. They pushed off or was going to their next place of ministry. You know, we like to think when we minister for Christ, it's smooth sailing. Perhaps we're more of a target than we think. If that's the case, are we not going to minister for Christ? Or is there something to learn in the storm and about the storm? Perhaps that's the question. We're going to have the storms and could be you'll have more storms as we minister for Christ. There again, don't focus on the storm. Focus on Jesus. It's not about the storm. It's about Jesus. So we say, no, I don't want to go because of the storm. I don't want to serve Christ because of the coming storm. I don't want to serve Christ because the world's in such a mess. United States in such, so depraved, such a mess. I don't want to get involved in that storm. The storm's real. The storm's there. But it's not about the storm. It's about in the storm are we going to focus on Jesus. This next year is going to be full of storms. But I'm giving you a message, I believe, from the Lord of what we're to do. We're to focus on Jesus. Now watch this. A great windstorm converged on the open sea as they pushed off. In the same day, when the evening was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took even as he was in the ship, and there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, talking about Jesus. He was asleep on a pillow. And they awakened him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? So they were questioning the Lord here. Now let's watch it. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. The wind ceased and there was a great calm. So Jesus jumps up. He can calm the storm. That's not, that's not a problem. But Jesus was trying to teach the disciples, that there's a greater truth than what they're seeing. The truth was hidden, not in the storm, but in Jesus. Now let's watch this revelation that he gives them. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? So here we see in the storm, and I'm sure, you know, we have all felt the same way. Jesus, wake up. Can you not see? I'm in a problem. I got some problems here. I thought you were going to show up on my behalf, Jesus. Where are you? Wake up, Jesus. All of us have experienced that. The disciples experienced that in this scripture. But then he said, why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? I want us to see something here. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So they had great fear, it says here. This great windstorm that overcame them that day was described in Mark. Now watch this. In his gospel, as a storm, the Greek word there was the same equivalent to hurricane for storm there. So that's a violent storm. This isn't no baby storm. This was a huge storm. Remember, the powers of darkness had been awakened of all the great things they had done, and they were going to do it again. It was totally aggravating the enemy. Now, to a point that this storm the size of a hurricane. Look what Matthew says. Also described as a storm, which is translated in the Greek as an earthquake. 
One translation, it has a great hurricane. Another, another. It's like there's, it's like there was a shake. Not only was there wind and a storm coming on from on top, it was coming from beneath. I think that would be a great storm. They had all the reasons to be very upset, and Jesus was asleep. So they even had more reasons. Hey, Jesus, are you not even concerned? There again, we're not to focus on the storm. We're to focus on Jesus. Now let's watch this and consider it. It was like there was an earthquake and a great wind. No doubt it was from the dark side. The storm was so violent that the waves were breaking over the boat where Jesus was and his disciples, and it was filling it up with water. As the boat was filling up with water, the disciples were also filling up and overflowing with fear. (laughs) It was getting there loaded, wasn't it? (laughs) The more water that came in, the more desperate they got. The more fearful they became. I can identify with that. We are just like the disciples when a storm suddenly descends upon our lives. One day the seams are calm, and then within hours they are raging. At this time in their lives, the disciples were just following Jesus wherever he went. They were being very obedient as far as they knew, but now they found themselves close to drowning. Jesus just said, get in the boat, we're going to the other side. They were just being obedient. They didn't do some great sin that brought on the storm. And that's what happens to us at times. They were not there because they had done something wrong. Those men were there because they had jumped in the boat when Jesus said jump. That's all they did. Jesus said jump, and they said how far? They jumped into the boat. To be in a storm does not mean you did something wrong. Very important. They were in the will of God in a perfect storm at the same time. Isn't that amazing? See, the enemy comes to you in the storm saying you caused the storm. It's your fault. Well, let me give you a little bit of information. My life is covered by the blood of Christ, and my life is in the grace of God. God doesn't do that to his children. I'm sorry. He just doesn't. Now, is there consequences of sin? Yes, there's consequences. Is God bringing great judgment? Listen, if God was judging America today, we would already be gone. People tell me, well, God's judging America. I said, well, you're not reading the same judgment as I'm reading. We would not be here. Watch this thought here in Mark 4, 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, talking about Jesus. He was asleep on a pillow, and they awakened him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Master, carest thou not that we perish? The disciples were struggling with who Jesus really was. Now we're getting to where I want to get to. They were struggling. They were fearful. They were struggling. They had been with Jesus, seen him do miracles. Well, I've been with Jesus, and I've seen him do miracles. Even though they had been, they were still really struggling with who. That's the reason I say to you, I think there's more to Jesus than we know yet. I think there's, I think there's a little more to know. The disciples knew Jesus, but they didn't fully know who he was. So here they say, Master, you don't care. Disciples were struggling with who Jesus really was. The disciples were learning a lesson about Jesus. They were struggling with the storm, but they were not recognizing his presence in the storm. Are you with me? They were struggling with the storm, but they were not recognizing his presence in the storm. Don't focus on the storm. We're going to focus on Jesus. The disciples were focusing on the storm, not recognizing that Jesus was there. The presence. It was more about the presence of him being in the boat than it was the storm. I would hate to be in a storm without his presence. Can you imagine being in a storm without his presence. Some people are looking for the power of God, but not the presence of God. 
The disciples thought everything about Jesus was about his power to calm the storm so they wouldn't be fearful. The point was the presence of God is what extinguishes all fear. The lesson to be learned is the presence of God is more important than the power of God. We come to church wanting God to prove himself in his power. When not understanding, we come to church because the presence of God is more important than the power of God. God can change all storms. That's not the point. God's point is, can you identify my presence in the storm? It's there that you find peace. It's there that you find safety. If you just find peace and safety because he removes the storm, you hadn't got what he's trying to tell us. It pressures me into understanding there's more about the presence of God than I know now. There's more to the presence of God. So my prayer for this church is in 2024 that we can stand here next year and say, we know more about the presence of God. We're not seeking the power of God. We're seeking the presence of God. And to know he's even in the room. Jesus said he wept over Jerusalem because they missed their visitation. Jesus was there and they missed it. Can God be in the room and with his presence? It's a little different concept that Jesus was trying to teach them. They were to have peace because he was with them. You know the piece I'm talking about. It's not a head piece. It's sometimes somebody can walk in a room and you just feel better. It's when we so recognize that the presence of God's in the room that we just feel better. Let's watch a little more here. For God to stop a storm in our life can calm the adrenaline fear, but to know the presence of God in the storm will extinguish all fears. All fears is what the Lord's after, not just to calm the storm till the next storm comes. The issue is not the storm, but instead the fear. The revelation is the presence is what brings peace to all fear. Can anybody hear what I'm saying? It's the presence of God. Part of the struggle of the disciples was that Jesus was really God, that the God of Moses and their master were one and the same. They were struggling with that. They were saying, Jesus, go, somebody shake him, wake him up. He doesn't realize we're having a problem. You know, in the little story that we read in the beginning, the voice said, I can see you, but you can't see me. Do we have the assurance and the peace? God, I can't see you, but I have peace that you can see me. I know you know I'm here. And he says, okay, follow my voice. He can see what we can't see. Why do we follow his voice? Because there's a mountain in front of you and you can't see it. So the Lord will speak to you. Emmanuel, God with us. His presence is the issue of Jesus on earth. The reason Jesus came, the issue is God is with us. The issue is his presence is here. The issue is how can we know it? We start realizing it's more about his presence than his power because, duh, if we have his presence, his power comes with it, right? But when we seek the power, and just forget about the power, we seek his presence. I'm about finished here. As humans, we have no shortage of storms in our lives. This fallen world has storms woven into the fabric of its very existence. It is these storms that bring us out of delusion and into reality. That should be a little bit of a shocking statement if you really can hear what it's saying. It is these storms that bring us out of delusion and into reality. Has anybody been shaken by a storm lately? It's to shake you into reality. And the reality, it should leave us at a place that we are seeking the presence of God. 
God did not create the storm that night while the disciples were in the boat, but God used it as a revelation to the disciples that he was with them all the time. Mark 4:40. Then Jesus said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? <laughs> you hear what he said? That's pretty stout, don't you think? How is it that you have no faith? And I'm like, well, there's a storm there. A boat's full of water. My head's full of fear. I'm in. A, I got. I'm in. A, I'm kind of in my bind here, Jesus. But look, look at the response he gives. How is it that you have no faith? Here we find Jesus revealing another truth. The opposite of faith is not unbelief. It is fear. The opposite of faith is not no faith or unbelief. The opposite of faith is fear. So when this fear comes upon us, it's letting us know we are not operating in faith that God is with me. It's a trigger to us. Jesus was showing them. He was saying, where's your, you don't have any faith. He said they had no faith, <laughs> matter of fact. So he was showing them that fear is the opposite of faith. Now, faith produces a confidence that comes by being in his presence. Unbelief produces a fear as if Jesus is not even in the boat. As far as they were concerned, he wasn't even in the boat. To have the revelation that God is with you would be have to be the greatest revelation on the planet. Do you not think? To know that God's with us. It'd be a little embarrassing when we're in sin, of course. Doesn't change the truth. They were having a problem believing Jesus was really who he said he was. Mark 4.41 says, And they feared exceedingly, that's a bunch, and said one to another, What manner of man is this that can even, even the wind and the sea obey him? So you see, they were saying, Whoa, who is this man? That's the reason I said to you. They didn't have a full revelation of who Jesus was. They didn't have a full revelation that Jesus was God. They said, Who? Whoa. Now they'd just been with him all day doing miracles. They said, Whoa, who is this man? So they were getting a greater revelation, is my point, of who Jesus is. I submit to you that we need a greater revelation of who Jesus really is. He went on to say in verse 41, we see that the disciples discovered Jesus had a greater power than nature itself. How could this power be in a man? The disciples were beginning to see Jesus with greater understanding. Their fear of the storm was being replaced with a fear of God, a reverential fear. That fear is a fear that they know what they know. They had a greater understanding. They were growing in their understanding of who Jesus is. It's my prayer as the church of Jesus that we would get a greater understanding. Don't stop with where you are. What you know, you know, but you don't know what you don't know. What you know got you to here, but it's not going to take you to where you need to be. Jesus gave us the revelation of truth in a parable, how we survive the storms of life. This was very painless. It won't take but one second and I'll be finished. It's Matthew 7, 24. I will not do a line upon line teaching on this because you know it. Therefore, ever whosoever heareth the sayings of mine and doeth them, I will be likened unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell. Well, it fell. That's exactly right. It, then great was the fall. That was probably the Lord said, Hush, Alan. It is all about his presence. Do you get the point? 2024, where are we going? In 2024, I want to know Jesus more. 
2024, I pray that our church can know Jesus more. When the presence of God is in an assembly, the greatest revival I've ever been in in my life, the presence of God was so in the room. You can say he wasn't in the room, but he was in the room. You could walk in the doors, and the presence of God was in the room. We could not do anything wrong because everything we did, God had it to bring glory to him. It was amazing. We policed nothing because we were aware of the presence of God. The presence of God in 24, to know more of who Jesus is in 24 is going to be necessary for us to be able to walk in these storms that are ahead of us. You test what I've said today, but from my heart to yours, I believe it's from the Lord. But I believe that we can walk victorious. I think we've got a story to tell, and we'll understand and walk in the presence of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.